hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 288, and today we're going to be talking about a not-so-sexy topic. What is that topic, you ask? Taxes. Who wants to pay taxes? Who wants to talk about taxes? Now, I have no problem paying taxes. I think that everyone should pay their fair share. I do have some issues about how much you get taxed, the more that you make and all that stuff, but that's for another discussion. And I'm not even sure that I should even talk about that because you know what? It doesn't matter at this point, right? You just have to do what is right, play by the rules. I'm a big fan of playing by the rules. You guys know that. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to have my CPA buddy, Josh Bowerly back on again to go over some tax tips, how to get ready, how to Take your deductions that are coming to you. Don't miss those deductions because they're yours, all right? Um, Talk a little bit about sales tax and also some uh, mistakes that we can prevent. Um, He's been working with a lot of Amazon sellers since being on the podcast. He's been on episode 143, was his first time he was on, which was just before tax season last year, and then he came back on for episode 251 for some additional tips since he's been working with a lot of Amazon sellers. And there are some common mistakes that people are are, uh, not aware of that he's finding are coming up over and over and over again. So we're going to talk about them. It's going to be a little bit of a recap, but we're also going to give some some other tips that he may not have talked about before, some deduction stuff. And then also talk about the business entity, which is always a confusing topic. We're going to talk about that stuff. But really... It's going to be an episode for you to understand how to get ready, how to get prepared, and do what is right and to stay above board. So this way here, you're not going to be surprised when it comes tax time, right? We want to make sure that we are prepared for that. Um, I've heard some people, they just wait to the end and then they figure it out and then all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute here, I owe how much? Like, where am I going to come up with that money? Like, I'm, I'm a believer that you should know where you are throughout the year and you should start taking some of that money and putting it aside and that way you're not surprised and having a good CPA or a good accountant will help with that process. But uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. There are show notes like all the other episodes. There are transcripts. There's going to be links that we talk about. Head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 288 and you can download those over there get all the links that we talk about, and uh, I just have to say, I mean, starting this podcast, I mean, all the way back from the beginning, I really didn't know anybody in this space, and then being able to meet people like Josh, right, or like, uh, you know, uh, you know, other other people in, in the business now that are able to help us through this process, not just taxes, but, uh, you know, you got like Ted Limas, you know, he's a, he's an, a, an, an attorney that all he's doing is really focusing on Amazon sellers, like, so me being able to meet these people and have these connections with these people and these relationships is just priceless and being able to then transfer their information over to you is just awesome. So I'm so I'm so uh, privileged and honored that you're listening and that you're able to learn along with me but then also get this information as we need it, right? So as we need this information, we're going to be able to put it out there. And that's why I'm doing this just before tax season. So this way here, you can uh, be prepared as best as possible, right? So you're not surprised. Uh, so uh, definitely going to be a lot of nuggets in here for you. So definitely either take notes or download the transcripts and uh, and then just uh, follow along and then play by the rules. All right. So that's going to wrap up the little intro here. Let's go ahead and get ready to rock and roll here with my good friend, Josh Bowerly of CPA on Fire. Enjoy. Well, hey, Josh, what's up, man? Thank you so much for hanging out with me this morning. What's up, man? How you doing? 
I'm good. Thanks for having me back on the show. Yeah. Well, I wanted to have you back on because we're getting close to, you know, tax season and uh, figured what uh, what better way than to uh, have you on and kind of share some more, you know, some more tips and, uh, you know, maybe give us some advice, maybe moving forward, maybe uh, recap a little bit of what we talked about in past episodes. But uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to dig into that stuff. So before we get started, though, what's been up in uh, in your world? I mean, since uh, you've been kind of taking on some of these Amazon clients. Yeah, definitely. Since uh, since we were on last December, December 2015, we've picked up a ton of Amazon sellers. Mm. You, you obviously have an awesome audience there. They've come over to us and it, it's actually become one of the areas that we really specialize in now. So that's been really cool to, to get to know that industry and kind of see the ins and outs and what the needs are in there. Yeah. And the, I'm, I, th- I think that was the last time that you were on. We talked a little bit about some of the things that you weren't even aware of that were like these these issues that the Amazon businesses we're having, but just physical product businesses, I guess, is really more what we could talk about because inventory has a lot yep. to kind of do with that. So what I want to do is I want to make this episode, obviously, you know, I want the information to be there. So if they're getting ready to do their taxes, like to be prepared, but then also give us some, uh, maybe recap a little bit, but then also give us some stuff that we we know is best practice that we should be prepared for. And also for just starting, like what should we do as far as like the whole business entity and all of that stuff again, because I know that a lot of people don't really understand it. Actually, I was just at our live event here in Phoenix and um, the question came up, LLC, um, S Corp, C Corp, that whole stuff. And I said, you got to go back and listen to that episode because <laughs> I'm not going to give you that advice. Um, but maybe we could, um, you know, dig into those areas. What are you still seeing that people that are coming to you are like not aware of that you think that they need to be aware of? Yeah. So I, I think the two things that I see the biggest confusion with Amazon sellers compared to other businesses is the issue of inventory and definitely the issue of sales tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can relate to that. I get those questions almost daily. Yep, yep. So th- those are the two biggest things. Oh, Should we just start there and yeah, dive into let's, let's, how yeah, they're different? Yeah, let's let's just kind of dive into that. Let's let's start with inventory. Let okay. let's start there. So, you know, take it kind of like from someone that comes to you that already has maybe started or something, but you know, they're not really quite sure how that whole thing works as far as like doing the deductions. Then we can kind of dig into some some common deductions too, or some things that people might not think that they can deduct and that they can deduct. But the first thing is the inventory. How do we deduct the inventory? Yeah. So, and just to, to get it back to the very basics, when we say inventory, basically all we're saying is the, the, the product that you're going to sell. Yes. So if I sell cell phones on Amazon, all the cell phones I purchase to sell are my inventory. Exactly. Right? Okay. And they remain inventory until they're sold. Right. Okay. And where the confusion comes is number one, I've had people ask, is this a tax deduction? Mm. And this is absolutely the, the, the cost of the product you sell is a deduction on your taxes, mm. right? So if I buy that cell phone for $10, I resell it for $20. That $10 cost is a expense. It's called cost of goods sold. Mm. Okay. So th- th- that's right off the start. It is a deduction. Now, the big question is when is it a deduction? And this is where there is a ton of confusion, a ton of bad information mm. because with inventory, it is not a tax deduction until it is sold. Yes. Okay. And this is a very big deal for especially Amazon sellers who are really getting going and maybe buying large volumes of inventory at one time. And I've even had people do it purposely for the tax deduction where they get maybe in December and say, I'm just going to buy $100,000 worth of inventory right now to get that tax deduction. They come talk to me and they get the bad news that 
Unfortunately, that is not a tax deduction until you sell that inventory. Yeah, okay, let me so, uh, let me let me interject there. Yeah, I I almost yeah, made that I almost made that mistake. Um, my my first year, I'm like, you know what? It's you know common sense, right? You buy you you invest in your business, and you automatically should be able to get that back. And um, at the time, I wasn't working with you. Now I am, and but luckily, my accountant knew that as well, and he's like, no, 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 you you can't. You can't deduct that until it's actually sold. I'm like, so wait a minute. So I've got like $50,000 worth of product that I bought for my business that I took that invested right back in and I can't use that. And he's like, no. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, that that is um, an issue. So anyone listening right now, this is a huge lesson. Make a, a note of that. that uh, and we're going to dig into it a little bit deeper so it makes it clearer. But don't think that you can just spend $10,000 and automatically that's going to be a tax deduction. It's not going to be a tax deduction until you have sold that, you know, that, that, uh, you know, that item. Um, yep. so yeah, I'd love you to keep going on that. Yeah. So I, I guess basically the flow of how it works is just to, to keep using the cell phones as a simple example, you buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of these cell phones. Okay. That hundred thousand dollars goes into a category in your bookkeeping called inventory, which is not an expense. Right. As you sell each cell phone, it moves into cost of goods sold as an expense. So you buy a hundred thousand worth, you immediately ten sell ten thousand worth. All right, ten thousand moves out of inventory and into cost of goods sold as an expense. And if you're thinking that sounds incredibly confusing, how am I going to track all that? It's actually pretty simple when you get down to it. There's three numbers you need to know to, to figure out what the cost of goods sold is for the year. You need to know how much you had in inventory at the beginning of the year as of January 1st. You need to know how much inventory you purchased throughout the year. And you need to know how much you had in inventory at the end of the year as of December 31st. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And, you know, the way that I've always kind of thought of it, and it, you, you've explained it perfectly, and I can visually see that. But, um, you know, basically, you if you sold uh, 100 units this month and you have 1,000 units of inventory, you're only going to take the deduction on the 100 units that you sold. Exactly. Right? Yep. So if, if you paid 5 bucks a unit, you're going to write off the $5 times a hundred and that's your deduction that, that you get. Obviously you get the expenses of, you know, the fees that you have paid in Amazon or your, you know, whatever, or any other fees, but the, the product itself is you paid five bucks for it. You only get to write the $5 off when you sell that item. And if you sold a hundred that month, then that's what you get. But what you're saying too is, is you only take that up to, you know, the end of the year. Um, and then from there, that's where you're going to figure out your total, uh, you know, inventory that you've purchased. Yep, exactly. That, that, that'll get you to, to the number that you need. Yeah. And I, I think one of the reasons this is so confusing is because no other expense works this way. If you're what they call a cash basis taxpayer, that means you take the expense when you pay for it, regardless of when you use it. Hmm. But then all of a sudden they turn around in inventory and say, eh, not so fast. We're going to we're going to tweak that one a little bit. So. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, right. We'll just tweak that one just a little bit. Um, yep. OK, so that's the inventory thing. And I, I mean, it, to me, it is pretty simple to think about now that you kind of understand it. Um, but you need to understand it if you're if you're brand new and you guys are thinking to yourself that you will, you're going to throw some money down on this and you're going to write the whole thing off. That's not the case. Not until you sell that item. Um, so just be aware of that. Um, let's move into. We, I do want to get into more deductions and stuff. I want to talk about that stuff. But maybe just to kind of go through now, the other thing is um, the different business entities and when we really should start thinking about those different entities because so many people get started and they say, you know what, I want to get started, but I'm just not sure that I'm going to be 
you know, expanding this brand. I might just get started and just want to do some retail arbitrage, or I might want to do some wholesaling or something like that. And it's just not going to be the brand I might go with. Um, you know, do I use my social security number? Do I use, um, you know, just an EIN number? Do I use an LLC? When, when do I form the LLC? When do I form, form the C, uh, you know, the, the C corp, all that stuff. So maybe guide us through like the basics is if I'm just getting started or maybe someone that's already started and started to generate some cash. Yeah. So we're going to talk about three different entities here. Number one is the sole proprietor or general partnership. Okay. And and the only difference between that is whether it's just one person or multiple people. Okay. And all that means is you just hit the ground running. You don't register any foreign entity or any, uh, any official entity. Sure. Okay. The, the next level is the LLC or the limited liability company. Mm -hmm. And the third level is the S corporation. Yes. Okay. And I'm going to make it simple and say, we're not going to talk about C corporations, Good. Because especially <laughs> for Amazon businesses for 99.999% of you, it's a horrible option. Right. All right. right. So if you do think that's an option, get some very specialized help there and make sure it is. But for most of you, we're, we're just going to focus on those three options. Okay. Okay. So if you're just getting started and you just kind of want to hit the ground running, you don't want to register anything with the state all you have to do is get going and you are automatically a sole proprietor or if you have a partner in the business, you're a general partnership. Okay. Okay. You, you don't have to go and tell the state, uh, hey, I need you to recognize this business. The business is you. Okay. Okay. You you can go and register what they call a DBA, a doing business as, so yep. that it, it has an official name. And if you want to reserve that name, you can go and register for an EIN, which is an employer identification number. Okay. If you don't want it to operate under your social security number, those are options. But the bottom line is you and your business are one and the same. Uh, in fact, if, if you're the only owner in the business, it's going to be reported directly on your personal tax return on what they call schedule C. It doesn't even, your business doesn't even file its own tax return. It just okay. does it as part of your personal. Okay. Okay. So it, it, if you're worried, if you don't want to spend the, the time and money involved in getting registered and you're just getting started, this is a perfectly fine option. Uh, and one thing I, I get a lot of questions saying, I want to keep it easy and be a sole proprietor, but I don't want to lose the tax deductions I could get with an LLC. Mm. Right? There is zero additional tax deductions for an LLC. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Yep. It operates the exact same way. So let's move into the LLC next level up. Yeah. Okay. It operates for tax purposes the exact same way as a sole proprietor or a general partnership. And there is literally zero differences. And the reason for that is the IRS doesn't even recognize an LLC as an entity. Right? It's what they call a disregarded entity. Basically, what an LLC does is it separates you legally from the business. Okay. So the idea is if someone sues you for whatever reason you may be, your business may be sued, you potentially could protect your personal assets in whatever lawsuit is brought to it. The big word is potentially, um, right? Potentially. That's a huge <laughs> word because, first of all, I'm not an attorney. I, I, I don't think you've gotten your law degree since the last time we talked. No, no. So we're, we're not going to give too much advice here. But the, a lot of people I know, will, a lot of attorneys will tell you, look, if you and your business, if you're the only one in your business, you're not all that protected anyways. Okay. And the, the people will disagree in varying ways. It's absolutely worth looking into if, if you think you have that legal liability. But the key to remember here is that's the only thing an LLC does is potentially protect you legally. It has zero tax benefits. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're the only owner in that LLC, it still is a disregarded entity. It still is reported right on your personal tax return. You and your business are still considered one in the same. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, well, I, and I want to just interject there real quick because, yep. you know, the LLC, again, it, to me, it's it's a layer uh, between you and your business. Um, and again, this is, I think, a good 
point to bring up too is like if you are running your own business, um, whether you are an LLC or not, I think it's it's very smart too. And this is again my advice to myself because this is what I've done is really having your own business account, your own checking account, um, and all the money gets fun you know gets sent and funneled through there. So this way here, and this was again this was recommended by my attorney was like, and then that does make it harder then too because now you're not mixing funds. So this way here you are operating as the business. Business, even though you're technically the only the only one in the business, so it's going to make it a little bit harder. Doesn't mean it's not foolproof at all. Um, but I would say, even I mean, you would agree with this, I'm sure, is that you want to keep your things separate anyway. You don't want to mingle, uh, you know, your personal checking with your business checking and stuff like that. So I would say the LLC for me personally was. I guess a way for me to separate it that if if I did ever have an issue that it would then go after the business and the business checking account um, or the business account, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be a loophole that they can get back to yeah. me. That's where that's where product liability and stuff would come into the mix, which we won't talk about that. But that's where another <laughs> layer of that would come yep. into, right? Yeah, absolutely. The great point. And and that separation, getting the separate bank accounts, separate credit cards for your business, that is one of my number one advice, whether you have an LLC, whether you're just a sole proprietor, no matter what you're doing from day one, go get that separate bank account, go get that separate credit card. If you're too early to get it in the business name itself, just get a separate account for your, in your personal name so that you are keeping things completely separate. And you're, you're absolutely right. It, whatever protection LLC can offer you is limited by you keeping that separate. If you're commingling them, then guess what? You and your business are the same thing. So great yeah. advice there. Yeah. And and you had said to me, I remember a while ago, since we've been working together, um, you said to me, cause I, I said, you know what, I've got this other business that I'm doing, but it's, you know, it's not a major business. I mean, it's doing some money, but I don't want to have to go out and get a new business card and stuff. You're like, listen, just use it. Just use one credit card, even if it's in your name for just that business. So that way, when they look at that, they're going to see that that card was designated for that, you know, those purchases. And I've done that ever since. Um, I think that's good advice. Uh, but again, if you want to go the route of getting your own business credit card, we'll go for it. Um, but I think that's, like you said, just keeping it separate is key. Yep, absolutely. Cool. And there is one thing I do like about the LLC on top of the, the potential legal protection is it does offer you some flexibility for what we're going to get into next, which is the S corporation. Mm -hmm. Okay. It makes switching to another entity easier than if you're just a sole proprietor. Okay. Okay. So just to, to recap those two, there is zero tax difference between the sole proprietor and the LLC. Okay. So if you're looking for tax advantages, there's no need to go to the LLC. When you want to go to the LLC is if you want that a little bit of legal protection, potentially um, some people do it because they they feel it makes their business more official to have the, LLC, you know, the, yeah. the, the amazing seller LLC instead right. of just the amazing seller, whatever right. it is. Right. So and that there's certain that yeah, you've had, if, if you think that and does that absolutely go for it. Um, but d when it comes to taxes, the exact same thing. Now, gotcha. the next level up, the third level that we're going to talk about is the S corporation. And in a lot of ways, the S corporation operates the exact same way as the, the previous two entities did. It is still what they call a pass-through entity. And what a pass-through entity means is everything the business does passes through to the owner and the owner pays all the taxes on their personal tax return. Okay. So let's just say that your new Amazon business profits $100,000 that first year. And when we say profits, all we mean is the, the income that's left after all your deductible expenses. Right. Okay, let's say there's $100,000. All right. That business is going to pay no taxes on that $100,000. Instead, it's going to pass that through to you. You're going to claim $100,000 income on your personal tax return, and you're going to pay all the taxes on that personally. And where that really confuses people and gets a little tricky is 
you're going to have to pay taxes on that $100,000, whether you take all of it out, whether you take none of it out or somewhere in between. So a lot of people will say, yeah, my business profit $100,000, but I didn't pay myself a dime. I took nothing out. So I don't owe any taxes. Mm, and yeah. I have to give them the bad news that that's not quite the case. So make sure you understand that no matter which entity you're in, it's a pass-through entity. And whatever those profits show, the IRS is going to treat those profits as income to you, whether you touched it or not. That's a good point. And uh, this was something that I wasn't aware of. Um, and uh, it's funny because, uh, and I mean, I'll publicly say it. I mean, there was a little bit of a, of a discrepancy between, you know, your your advice and my old accountant's advice. And and the, the really the reason is, and I think you can kind of probably address this, is because there were people abusing this. And, and you talk about it, you did with me anyway, that said, you know, listen, you know, this is totally legal. It's totally legit, but there's right ways and wrong ways of doing this. The guy that's going to use it and show no money um, and not have a reasonable salary is going to throw up a red flag and is going to be in the wrong. Um, yep. And I think that's what my my old accountant, because he was old school. He was totally like, you know, that is not the, not you know not not the way that it's going to work. This, that, and the other thing. But when you explained it to me, it made total sense. And other CPAs that I've talked to since then, and people that are you know, specialists in this have totally agreed with, with your, uh, you know, your advice, which again, I believe in like anything, if you're going to cheat the system, you're going to be in risk of getting in trouble. If you're abiding by the rules and you know what they expect, then, then you should be okay. Right. So maybe you can explain where people were abusing it and then maybe the, the right way. Yeah. So let's get into how the, the, the S Corp actually saves you money first. So like I said, it works the exact same way. Those $100,000 profits flow through to you. You pay taxes on them. Yep. Okay. If you were a sole proprietor in LLC, not only are you going to pay ordinary taxes on those, you're also going to pay what they call self-employment taxes, which yep. is an additional 15.3% tax. Okay. So you can do the math, $100,000. That's an additional $15,000 tax right there yep. on top of all your ordinary taxes. Sure. S-Corp works the exact same way that the $100,000 passes through. You pay all the ordinary taxes on that $100,000. You do not pay that 15.3% self-employment tax. Okay, so you're doing the math. You just wiped out $15,000 off your tax bill. Now, having said that, the IRS obviously is not a big fan of you just wiping $15,000 off your tax bill. Of course. So what they say is, okay, fine. You won't have to pay those self-employment taxes on that $100,000 net income. But we are going to require you to take a what we call a reasonable salary in the business, which means you're actually paying yourself as an employee of your own business a, a salary paycheck. And the reason we're going to make you do that is because on that salary, you're going to pay what we call payroll taxes. And guess how much payroll taxes are? That same 15.3% as the self-employment tax. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. So that's how they're going to recoup a portion of that. Okay. So here's where the tax savings come in, right? You, you profit $100,000, right? We decide that for you, a reasonable salary is $40,000, right? Now on that $60,000 difference between the two, you're saving that 15.3% in self-employment taxes. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so it can add up pretty quick. Um, and the, the key to remember there is just because you only paid yourself a $40,000 salary doesn't mean you have to keep the other 60,000 in the business. You can still k- take that 60,000 out in what they call distributions, which have no tax consequence because you're already paying taxes on the profits. Yeah, okay? makes, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, okay. that, that makes total sense. Yep. So, so getting into what you were talking about, the big question is what constitutes a reasonable salary? Mm. Because as, as you're seeing here, there's, there's a tax incentive to keeping that salary as low as possible. All right. 
And there's typical IRS, they don't give hard set firm guidelines on this is what reasonable is. So you're kind of left guessing. Um, but one, one theory that we kind of go with that a lot of people go with is what would you have to pay someone to replace you in the business? Okay. So if Scott said, ah, I can't do this podcast anymore. I'm, I, my, my voice is gone. I'm done. <laughs> okay. All right. What would you have to pay someone to come in and start running the amazing seller and, and, and doing your podcasts? Right. Right. And that, obviously there's, there's not many jobs out there, job postings that are, are you know, looking for someone for, that's doing exactly that. So it still takes a little bit of guesswork. Sure. But that's a big way to think of it. Okay. You're, you're probably not going to, a lot of CPAs, like your, your older CPA might say, you know what, you have to pay salary at least 50% of the profits. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if your business is profiting a million dollars, you probably don't have to pay someone $500,000 to come replace you. That's, that's not quite the way it works. That's true. Yeah. So some of it is just common sense. What would I have to pay someone? Yeah. Right? Some of it, if, if you're struggling with that, one, uh, a number guideline we like to use is somewhere between 25 and 40% of those profits, right? And the lower your salary is, or the lower your net income is, the higher the percentage of that salary has to be. So maybe if you're, if you're profiting $40,000, you, you pay yourself 40%. But if you're profiting $200,000, you're down closer to 25%. And that makes sense, though. Like you said, if you have a, a company that's doing, you know, 500000 or a million dollars a year, year, you know, you can't say, well, it's going to be 40% of that. I mean, you know, even the, uh, you know, the CEO, I mean, I mean, isn't going to be making that most likely depending on what kind of business they're running. But, and, and it makes sense that if, if you are, if you're, if you're less money, like, you know, you said $50,000 or even a hundred thousand, you know, it might be in that 30% range. Um, so again, but I think having a good CPA too, that kind of knows, you know, like, and wants to play by the rules. I think that's important because I could probably reach out to another CPA and be like, you know what? I would only do 10%. I mean, you're going to be yep. fine. You know what I mean? I think it's, you have to trust that person. Um, and, and to me, I always want to be above, you know, above where I, where I really, you know, think is the comfort a little bit because I want to, I just want to be able to sleep at night. You know, I don't want to have to worry about that stuff because we don't want to have to go through that hassle. Um, yep. so I think that's good advice. Um, okay. So. Um, that's the, the entity stuff. Um, that was the, uh, the, uh, yeah, the, the product cost. We went through that. Let's, let's talk a little bit about sales tax. I'm not going to go too deep into that. And I know that's a crazy topic. We did uh, episode 257 with, uh, Mark Fagiano from, um, from actually uh, tax jar had him on. Um, and, uh, we had a great discussion. We did, we did a whole, ta you know, sales tax 101 discussion and it was really good. Um, but what's your thoughts on it right now? Since the last time we talked or, you know, since what's been going on, like what, what's your thoughts? <laughs> so I guess my thoughts are, it's a mess. A lot of, <laughs> yeah, it's a mess. There's a lot of uncertainty. It's, it's crazy. And the, the, the biggest problem or the biggest mess, I guess, is in this Amazon FBA business mm. because we're getting right back to inventory. All right. So let's just talk about what sales tax is. Sales tax is the state saying any sale that you make within our state, we want you to collect and pay sales tax to us on that sale. Okay. Which it depends on the state. It can range anywhere from like three to 8%. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's not a tax that you're paying as the seller. It's one that you're charging the buyer and then remitting that tax to the state. Right. Okay. And the way it works is you only have to charge and pay that sales tax to states that you have what they call a physical presence in. 
Okay. And for most businesses, this is pretty simple to figure out. It's where you're located. Right. Okay. So I'm in Ohio. If I have books that I'm selling, what that means is I only have to collect and pay sales tax on books that I sell to people located in Ohio. Once I branch out beyond Ohio, Ohio has no reach on that and they can't demand that I collect and pay that. Okay. So that's simple enough. But then you get into things like the Amazon FBA and Amazon, if you don't know, can, can store your inventory in up to 14 different states warehouses. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And one of the things that constitutes what they call nexus, which is just another word for where you have that physical presence, is where you store inventory. So you potentially could open up nexus in 14 different states by Amazon storing your inventory there. So the big question is, do I now have to be collecting and paying sales tax to sales within all 14 of those states, plus potentially whatever state I live and work in? And that, that's where the mess comes in, right? <laughs> that is where the mess, because the other thing that people have, have said and have thought, and I actually thought about it in the, in the beginning was, and I thought like this, was, oh, okay, well, that's easy. Um, I can send my inventory to one Amazon location and just that's where it's going to be sent. And that's fine. And that sounds all great and everything. But the problem is, is Amazon's going to move that inventory around without you even knowing it. And they yep. could move it, you know, in the next day, they could ship uh, 500 of the units to a whole nother state that you don't even know that that's where it is. And now all of a sudden you have a presence in that state. Yeah, exactly. That, and that's, that is the biggest problem. There's, there's so much uncertainty. And the other thing is you can ask 10 lawyers and 10 CPAs yep. whether you have to collect and pay sales tax in those 14 different states. And they're going to give you 10 different answers. It's yeah, there's no certainty right now. Yeah. So I, I guess my conclusion after working with so many people is number one, you have to immediately register and collect and pay sales tax within the state that you're located. Yeah, that's if you're step not one. doing that, yeah. yeah, you're you're in a clear violation of the rules if you're not doing that. And it's very easy to catch. Yep. Okay. Yep. From there if if you if you have the time and resources and, and money to get it done, go ahead and register in all fourteen states. You you'll make your life simple. You'll you'll cross that off your worry list. All right. That's going to be super expensive. I can tell you from from helping clients do that. You're going to pay anywhere between four and six thousand dollars, depending on who you use to do that for mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that, I recommend starting slowly with the states that you have the most sales in. Okay, so go into you. First of all, I highly recommend using TaxJar. That, yes. That, what tool you just brought up. You're going to be able to plug right into Amazon, tell you where your inventory store, tell you where the most sales are being made. All right. So do that, look at it. And if they tell you, Oh, you're, you're selling a big chunk of, of product to California. Guess what? You should probably go register and start doing sales tax in California. So that, that'd be my recommendation on how to approach it for sure. Start in your state that you're located and then branch out slowly to the states that you're starting to pick up more product sales in. Yeah. And you know, that was Mark's, um, you know, recommendation was, you know, people getting started right now might listen to this and be like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, what, you know, like I'm gonna have to do all, you know, you don't have to do all that technically, what you what you want to do, and like he said, is is you want to almost monitor where your sales are coming from. The obvious ones where you're going to be sending in the inventory is to me the obvious as well, right? If if uh, if you're sending all of your inventory in, I don't know, uh, let's say it's Florida, uh, or let's say that it's in California, then those are the ones you probably want to start, you know, to file for like the next after your home state. 
Like that would be the, to me my next move. Yep. After that, I'm going to want to see inside a tax chart because it's going to show me where all of my sales are coming from without me having to dig through all my reports. And it's going to show me where all of my sales uh, or, or a majority of them are coming from. And then I can start to kind of you know, go in that order in a sense. And that, that was his recommendation too. And again, guys, I mean, we're not giving legal advice at all. You know, I'm not a, an attorney. Um, I think my, my dog Brody was in his past <laughs> life, but he's no longer practicing. Um, but, uh, and I know, and I know that you're not as, as, as well, Josh, but we are yeah. just kind of giving you like, to me, it's like the common sense kind of, I guess, advice as well. It's like, you know, trying to do what's right. And, and, uh, you know, you're not trying to, you know, uh, you know, I guess, go against the system. But again, we don't even know what the system really is 100% because it's so crazy out there with them giving us information and they make it so friggin' hard. Yep. They, they make it so hard. I say they, the states, they make yep. it so hard to file. Some of them are only allowing you to file by paper. Some yep. are only allowing you to, you know, some you have to file every single month. Some you have to file every three months. Sometimes it's once a year and it's, it can get really messy. That's why tax chart to me, that, that helps tremendously with that. But it's just, yeah, it's, it's totally crazy. And I, I already said this, if they were smart, if all the states would get together and go, listen, we all want a piece of this, right? Yeah, yeah, we do. Okay, good. What we're going to do is we're going to create this portal. And people are just going to go in here. They're going to register once and they're going to register for all the states because they're selling on, on their own platform or, or Amazon and they have inventory stored all over the place. And when they get sales and they're, they're, they're basically tracked, then we're going to basically, the money's going to get sent in. Like that would be the, like the easiest thing to do. But you know what? You can't because every state is going to have their own people trying to dictate how things should be done. It's just yeah, insane. No, that's that, that's why you got my right in vote for president, Scott. <laughs> not me. Trust me. <laughs> not not after that last election. I uh, we don't even want to go into that, man. But uh, yeah, I mean, hey, but anything's possible, right? Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so um, I would just say, you know, do your homework. Um, Tax Jar is a great resource. I've said it before. Listen to episode 257 with Mark. Um, he really did a great job with that. Um, and I know you and I talked about it on other episodes, which I'll leave them in the show notes as well. Um, let's wrap up with some with some solid like deductions. Like let's help let's help people save some money this year that they normally would have saved if they knew but they didn't know and they just basically yeah. handed over money. Yeah, so here's the cool part about owning a business is the, the IRS kind of favors business owners. That that's where the majority of tax breaks are. And where those tax breaks come is all these expenses that you've been spending in your life personally now could potentially become a full or partial tax deduction. Okay. So we're talking things like your cell phone that you use long before you started this Amazon business. Yep. Now, obviously you're using it from time to time in your business. Now it's a tax deduction. Um, and for me, that, that that's a full tax deduction. I, I wouldn't even bother trying to say, oh, I use it 50% of the time for business. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely necessary to run your business. So to me, that's a, that's a full business deduction. Cool. Um, home internet, same way. Obviously, to sell on Amazon, you need internet access, full tax deduction, even though it's being used uh, partially for personal reasons. Mm -hmm. um, portions of your house all of a sudden become tax deductions. Okay, so if you have a home office, that could potentially become a tax deduction. If you turn your garage into a storage unit to store your inventory, that could potentially become a tax deduction. And the, the biggest key with using your home as a tax deduction is the rooms you're using have to be used strictly for business. Gotcha. Okay, this can't be, uh, I went and put a computer desk in my kid's room and, and <laughs> use it from time to time. Right, that's, that's not going to work out. Okay? Right, this right. has to be an actual office or if your garage is your inventory, it has to be strictly, this is used to store inventory and not my car. 
Okay. So that, that's, that's a big one. Um, one of the, my favorite things is vacations. Okay. So you just mentioned that you held an event for Amazon sellers, yes. right? Where was that located? That was in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. Beautiful. So I'd want to take a vacation to Phoenix, Arizona. I find out Scott's holding this awesome event for Amazon sellers. Guess what? I'm going to plan my vacation around this event, which is clearly going to help my business. And now that vacation becomes at least partially deductible on, on my taxes. Okay. So I, I guess the, the biggest thing as a business owner you have to start doing is anytime you're spending money, you have to be asking yourself, does this correlate to my business? Mm. Because if we can prove that what you're spending money on increased the bottom line of your business, meaning it helped you either bring in more money or decrease your expenses in some way, then chances are we can deduct at least a portion of that on your tax return. Yeah. And and same thing kind of goes, I think, too, with like the, you know, the tools that you're using, right? You know, if you use Jungle Scout or any of these tools, um, you know, those are business expenses. Like, so it's helping you run your business. If something helps you run your business, that's an obvious one. Um, and you should be taking those things. But then there's other things, too. Like, um, you know, and I'll, I'll throw this out there. We, you and I didn't talk about this, but like, you know, I went and, and I had the event, right? Well, I needed, I need nicer clothes, right? So, I mean, so I can buy an outfit right now. Do I, can I deduct all of that or do I just duck a portion of that? Yeah. So clothing is, I'm glad you brought this up. Um, clothing is a, is a tricky one. Okay. Because anything that improves your appearance, the IRS does have stricter rules on. Okay. Um, so one thing that you can do to guarantee that you can deduct it is get it labeled with your business. Ah, okay. okay. So if all of a sudden you get this, uh, nice new polo shirt, now you go put a little uh, amazing seller emblem on it. Okay. Now for sure that's a tax deduction. Right, right. Okay. But, but you do want to be careful with clothes in general. Okay. So even if you typically say I, I would never wear a suit ever, but I bought one for this event, it, it may not be a tax deduction. So that is one you want to be careful with. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I'm glad I asked that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, again, and that's why I think it's good to have someone in your corner like you that uh, can, can kind of tell you these things. And I guess you want to, you don't want them to just tell you what you, what you want to hear either. You know what I mean? So that would be something I'd be like, Hey Josh, I spent like 300 bucks on these, uh, these, uh, you know, new clothes for my, for my thing. You're like, well, Scott, you know, eh, you probably shouldn't do those or we could do a portion or whatever. Um, it, it does, it does, uh, definitely help. Um, and then again, like stuff like this, like, uh, you know, meals, like a lot of people, you know, that, that's another one that's like, okay. Uh, you know, I took, you know, a business partner and I went out and we entertained maybe someone that's going to be doing some of our manufacturing or something like that. Or maybe it's a business trip to the Canton Fair, right? Yeah. So maybe talk a little bit about like meals, like, yeah. and when we can deduct them. Yeah. So there's a specific category called meals and entertainment. And this is used anytime you bring any type of business associate. So business partner, client, potential client, uh, your CPA, your attorney, anytime that you're meeting for the purpose of business, the meal and then any entertainment that you do as, as a part of that meeting is partially tax deductible. And it is a 50% tax deduction. And that 50% limitation applies whether you only pay for yourself or you pay for the other person that's with you. Gotcha. Okay. So if, if, if Scott really wants some tax advice and he, he takes me out to lunch to talk about it and he pays for it and I get most expensive thing on the menu and total bills, 150 bucks, Scott gets $75 tax deduction out of it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's, so, that's cool. That that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and okay, so how would you keep track of that meeting? Was there a way, or do you just kind of have a rule of thumb that you're like, you know what, if your income is this, if you stay within this, you're going to be probably okay. Is there 
Yeah. So the, the first thing is the IRS doesn't demand that you keep receipts for those if the total bill was under 75 bucks. Oh, okay. Okay. So you, you can start there. Now, having said that, it's never a bad idea to keep the receipt and just jot a quick note on it and say, oh, I took Josh out to lunch to talk taxes. Okay. okay. Because when it comes to the IRS, the more documentation you can provide, the better. Gotcha. But technically under 75, you don't have to worry about it. Gotcha. Um, as far as kind of finding a, uh, like I, I kind of get what you're saying here. Like, yeah, you don't want to have $10,000 in, in meal costs if your net income was $20,000. Yeah, like right, that's, right. that's very suspicious. So you definitely want to use common sense. There. Okay. But of course it's industry specific as well. Like if I'm an insurance agent, my entire job is going and networking with people yeah, and yeah. constantly taking them out for coffee and lunch and dinner and drinks. Okay. So my meals and entertainment expense is going to be super high compared to other industries. So you, you want to use a little bit of common sense there. Like, okay, well I'm an, I'm an online Amazon seller. So they're probably not going to believe that 50% of my expenses went towards meals and entertainment. Yeah. That, that makes, that makes total sense. And I mean, the same thing I guess could be said then for like conferences or, sure. um, or even education. Like if I, yeah. if I buy, uh, you know, an online course for myself. Uh, yep. is, is that a, is that a full write off? Cause I'm educating myself. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's a hundred percent. You're doing that for the business. Like, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm not an Amazon seller, so I'm never ever going to go take a course on Amazon selling. Like that's just not, that's a hundred percent for the use of your business. So that's absolutely a full tax deduction. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right, cool. That that's definitely helpful. And I think that anyone else that's listening right now, just again, you know, like Josh said, think about what you're spending in your everyday life that could be kind of traced back to your business. I mean, the obvious stuff is like if you're using packing tape to package up some boxes to send them in or if you have to buy boxes to send them into Amazon, obviously that's going to be a write-off. Those are the more obvious ones. But if you do those other things, those office expenses or if you do any travel or you do any of those things, um, you know, definitely – Ask your ask your accountant, your CPA. Um, but I would just try to document more than not enough. So this way here, I can come to you and say, I've got all this other stuff. Does any of this stuff like? Can I use any of this stuff? And then you're like, Yeah, you can use this. You can't use this. You can use this. I'd rather think about everything because, like you said, when you're working for yourself, almost <laughs> almost everything you touch on a daily basis could be traced back to a certain extent because we're always kind of working as an entrepreneur. We're always doing something that could bring, uh, you know, you know, I, again, I'm not going to go to Disneyland and just say I was there and I met someone at a coffee shop and I'm going to write the whole trip off. That's not what you're doing. Um, you know what I mean? It's gotta be, you gotta have like, there's an event there. Like you said, if I want to go to Disney, (laughs) then I'm going to go to Disney, but there's also going to be an event in Orlando. Um, you got to make it make sense. But is there any other last little bits of tips or advice you'd like to give anyone? I mean, uh, you know, you've been now working with some Amazon sellers and, uh, I mean, not even just Amazon sellers, I think, you know, e-commerce sellers in general, just, uh, you know, people that are, uh, that are selling physical products. It's a different animal. Um, is there any last little bits of advice that you'd like to give and then maybe let everyone know kind of where they can get in touch with you? Yeah, I, I would say that the last thing I would say is tracking or, or doing what we call in the accounting world bookkeeping is so incredibly important for any industry. But man, is it so important for this this e-commerce Amazon selling space because of things like knowing how much inventory you can deduct uh, because of knowing, hey, I spent money here, here and here. As you said, maybe maybe you bring it to me and I say, no, you can't deduct that. But maybe there's 10 other things that you can because if you're not tracking that stuff, number one, you're not going to remember to take it come tax time. And number two, even if you do take it, if you're one of the unlucky people who's ever audited, you're going to have no proof of that. Okay. So number one, start out doing what we already talked about. Get separate bank accounts, get separate credit cards for your business. Stop commingling that if you're still doing it. All right. Number two, find a way to, to, 
track that and, and do t- some type of bookkeeping. My, my biggest recommendation is to use bookkeeping software, whether that's kind of the, the more traditional high-end stuff like QuickBooks Online or Xero, yep. my, my personal favorite, Xero. Yep. Or I know a lot of people use uh, Wave Apps, which yep. I, is that the one you're still using? Yeah, yeah, I'm still yep. using that, yeah. Yep, perfect, and it works perfect, yep. okay? And I, I think that one's free, right? It that is free. free. They have they have like a banner ad on the right, and sometimes they'll, they'll make you an offer if you want if you want them to help you with your accounting or, you know what right. I mean? So they're just drawing the people in as the free end, but, uh, and they yep. have some other paid services, but yeah, it's a cool, I'm telling you, uh, when I was looking for, uh, for different ones and I've looked at fresh books, I, you know, fresh books to me was just a little too much. I didn't need a lot of what it had. Um, and then I was looking at QuickBooks cause I've used that in other businesses. Um, and then I just, I kind of ran across this and I'm like, this kind of seems too good to be true. And then I did a little bit of research and they've been online for a while now and, uh, it's pretty stable and it's, it's, I've never had a downtime or anything like that. So yeah, it's a pretty cool, uh, a pretty cool free app, but yeah, I've heard good things about zero. I've heard great things about QuickBooks. So just pick one, you know what I mean? Yep. Like just pick it and then just learn it and then just start inputting or start having it, um, kind of funneled into there. So you can kind of start showing what's happening in your business. Like you said, if, if you ever get audited, you want to be able to show the ins and the outs of that account. And that's probably the easiest way to do it. And your accountant's going to love you for it. Absolutely. <laughs> right. <Sure are. laughs> I don't want to say, Hey, uh, Josh, I've got about a two foot by two foot box with a whole bunch of receipts. I'm going to send it to your house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't and want it's going to be return to sender, <laughs> <laughs> return to sender. Uh, I love it. Um, but no, th- this has been awesome. And I, I, I appreciate, um, all the advice that you've given me personally and, um, on the podcast. I want to thank you for that. I know I get a lot of emails from people, um, saying that now they're either working with you or that you're giving them some advice, whether they work with you or not. And I know you're always willing to give and share. Um, how can people get in touch with you, Josh? Yeah, so they can always check out our website, cpiamfire.com. Uh, we even have a free resource there that can help you choose those business entities that we were talking about. You can get that at cpiamfire.com slash fire nation. And they can always just email me directly, josh at cpiamfire.com. All right, man, that sounds awesome. And, uh, you know, you and I will be getting together here eventually soon to have that, uh, that beer that we talked about. So uh, we'll have to do that. And I'll buy so I can take that as a tax write-off. I, I'll accept <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh, I appreciate you, man. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, man. All right. So there you have it. There's some tax tips for you, some best practices, some mistake prevention, a lot of really good stuff that we talked about. And I think this stuff is really important, even though we don't like to talk about it that much because it just it's not that sexy, right? It, it's not fun to talk about that, especially when we have to hand over money. Now, I understand, you know, we are paying, you know, taxes to help, you know, our country stay the way it is. And I understand that, but there's a lot of discussion around that. And we won't get into that, but understand that you want to stay above board. You want to do things that are, uh, you know, within the guidelines of where you should be in your business. And I think Josh laid it out perfectly all the way from, you know, business entities to, uh, you know, inventory management and like cost of goods and sales tax a little bit, like tax deductions. There's a lot of things there with tax deductions that you may be missing that you need to ask your accountant. Like, listen, like, you know, I just bought some Windex for my house, but I'm spraying my windows in my office. Can I use that as a deduction? Let them tell you the things that you're buying on a regular basis if they are tax deductible, if you have an office in your home and you're using it for business. So just ask these questions and every little bit will help you. Now, this episode, you might want to go back and listen to again. You probably definitely want to download the show notes or the transcripts. Head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 288, and you'll find those there. You'll also find the other episodes that I did with Josh, which is episode 143 and episode 251. I'll also put the link in there for the uh, sales tax one I did uh, with uh, TaxJar. 
and uh, from Mark from o- over at uh, Tax Jar. Uh, that one's episode 257. That's a, definitely a must listen if you have any questions about that. And I'd also like to remind you, if you have any questions about your taxes, you can always reach out to Josh at cpaonfire.com. Again, I'll have the links in the show notes. So definitely go check them out, guys. All right, that is it. That is going to wrap it up. I want to remind you guys one more time that I am here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you. But you have to, you have to. Come on, say it with me. You guys know what I'm going to say. You got to do it. You got to take action. Have an awesome, amazing day. And I will see you right back here on the next episode.